0: Hello, hello. Welcome to Words and Voices, a little sanctuary, a quiet nook where you'll hear hard, raw and humbling conversations with some of the best humans elevating humanity. This is for the round pegs and square holes, the misfits, oddballs, weirdos, tinkerers and thinkers who dig a simple philosophy that one word, one message, one idea and one voice can change the world. So without further ado, here's our chief mischief maker, Neelam Tawar. Hello,
1: hello. Welcome to Words and Voices. This is Neelam Tawar and today I'm super, super, super excited to bring to you Ray Zahab whose journey I've been watching since somewhere around 2006, 2007. And I've always placed him on my list of top 50 people that I would love to have a conversation with. He is a Canadian explorer, an ultra-distance runner, and the founder of a not-for-profit called Impossible to Possible. He's a recipient of the Meritorious Service Cross of Canada, an explorer in residence of the Royal Canadian Geographical Society, and a fellow of the Royal Geographical Society. In 2015, the Canadian Geographic recognized Ray as one of Canada's top explorers. He has, listen to this guys, he's run 17,000 kilometers across the world's deserts and unsupported expeditions in some of the coldest places on the planet. He went from being a packaday smoker to doing an expedition across the Sahara Desert on foot with two of his friends. And it was captured by the National Geographic and produced by Matt Damon, directed by a Canopy Award winner, James Mole. It lasted 111 days and 7,500 kilometers. They were doing 70 kilometers a day to complete the expedition. And it was done to create awareness for the drinking crisis in North Africa. He's also found it impossible to possible. It's an organization that aims to inspire and educate the youth through adventure learning, inclusion and participation in expeditions. You can google Raza Hub and you will find him on www.rezahub.com or com. What we're talking about today is something that I really after I got off the podcast I had to pinch myself and I did do a jump and what we I did jump. Yes, yeah, I was so excited. And he's exactly What I pictured him to be, because, you know, sometimes you might have been inspired by somebody along your journey. He's one of the reasons, main reasons why I thought that I could be a long distance runner too. And I have run long distance. And when I spoke with him, like my very first exchange via email with him, he was truly exemplifying who he is. Because you guys know, right? Sometimes we can get disappointed by the people that inspire us and the ones whose journeys we're watching. But he is the real deal living exactly the life that we're seeing on social media. We've talked about during this 50 plus minutes or so about everything from how he looks at life, what adventure has done for him, how he embodies many of these explorations that he goes on, but he also covers what he finds the true essence of life in itself. And he talks about how anywhere you go on the planet, he's felt that the conversations and stories that he's had sitting in small villages across the world or in big mansions across the world as well that everyone wants to connect and they're ready to give and share and hear about each other's journey and he's found that to be so so precious we also talk about what parenthood has given him and we talk about his kids and how he's found it so easy to embody the spirit of adventure in them as well you will absolutely love These 15 minutes please soak in every word he has to say i assure you you will in the very least be inspired and you guys know i don't use that word a lot but for ray i will and i cannot wait to have him back on the show he said that he wants to come back after his next exploration but you guys are gonna love him enjoy and let me know what you think about it right take care guys hey ray welcome to words and voices
2: it's great to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: Wow, man. I'm so excited that we're doing this. Let's take it a bit, huh?
2: Yeah, I think so. We it's been uh, you know, schedules opposite ends of your schedule stuff. So, you know, <laughs> what are you gonna do, right?
1: I know. I've been really thankful that the way I work has not been impinged because of the the pandemic. I'm still able to do do things because of technology and moments like these are when I get really like I get goosebumps because this is what like, excites me that I'm still able to speak to people I adore and admire.
2: Well, I mean, I think it's pretty awesome, you know, you and I were talking about in the background before we got on about why you're doing this, and there seems to be so much nowadays where we're looking for authentic things. People are looking for authentic, and authentic is a word that gets thrown around a lot, you know, but I think what you're pursuing with this, as you said, through your art right, what you're pursuing is authentic conversations. You're just trying to give something to others that they can, for a moment, escape and, you know, just be part of an authentic conversation that everybody wants to have, right? Everybody wants to have real conversations with real people.
1: You're my escape right now. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) All of my podcasts, I feel like I get to just go play and play is fun. So for everybody who's listening to this, I've been watching Ray since 2006, 2007. He is pretty much the reason why I decided to think I was a runner of some sort. I even had an ex-boss who told me, like, Neil, face it, you're not a runner. And I did not listen to him, of of course. I was probably, Ray, this is true. I would always be like the third, last person at the finish line. But I did run three half marathons, three weekends in a row. And I'm quite proud of it even today. That's amazing.
2: That's an amazing achievement. I mean, it's an amazing achievement. I think the even bigger achievement is when someone is telling you, well, you're not a runner. And you say, well, uh, yes, I am. I'm not going to let you define who I am. Right. And I think that's one of the purities of running an adventure is that you have a destination. It's point A to point B. The point B can be the end of your laneway. You know what I mean? Or it can be the end of the block, or it can be a kilometer, or it can be. 20 kilometers, whatever it is. But it is a measured goal every single time, right? And I think that that's when you achieve those goals, no matter how long or grand they are, they always feel you always get that same sort of reward from it, you know?
1: Totally. I still think there's, I believe in the runner's high. I I think it exists.
2: Oh, absolutely. Well, it does. It does for sure. sure. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you get out there, the world could be like falling down. and You go for a run and all of a sudden you feel better, right? So running solves things in one's mind. When you're having a bad day, go for a run. It turns into a better day, you know?
1: Yeah. When I think of running, I always have a certain visual in mind. And I think it's really important to give that up as you're working with your own body for that day and staying in that present moment of what your body is asking you to do there. But push just a little more, just a little inch, just, just that fraction of a millimeter, even if that's what you can do that day so that you can see that you can go to that edge.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree with you completely. It's like hitting a reset switch constantly.
1: Totally. Yeah. So you were a chain smoker, like you were Mr. Couch potato type of switch uh in two thousand six and you just woke up and you were like I'm nope. <laughs>
2: before that, before that. So basically what happened was in the late nineties. I was smoking a pack of cigarettes, two packs of cigarettes a day. I was a very unhealthy person. And, you know, I grew up in a small town. I grew up on a farm. We had animals. You're running around, but you're not in sport or exercising, right? So I was not that guy. And I became very unhappy with the direction that my life was taking. I was very unfulfilled. And I knew that I needed to find something in my life that would provide a change of direction. Because the trajectory was like going down, right? So I have a younger brother, John, who's an amazing athlete. And he inspired me to want to try and do some of the things that he was doing in the outdoors. He was a climber and a not a conventional athlete. Like in the 90s, you know, you're thinking athlete, you think football player. You know, he's, he's not that. He was, he was an Ironman. He wasn't a hockey player. He was a cyclist. He wasn't a baseball player. He was a rock climber, you know? And so he was doing things that were unusual new sports to me, but very compelling. And we began to do things together. And that three-year journey from when I sort of decided I was going to make a change to actually following through on it, it was really hard, right? But I changed this outlook and through quitting smoking and changing my life 180 degrees, you know, from, you know, bottle of Jack Daniels, guy to you know, a head of broccoli. I always make the joke because you got you know thing to, and you know I became this very healthy person. That eventually led me to running, and I didn't start running until late two thousand three. I read an article about ultra marathons in a magazine, and I thought, wow, what are these ultra marathons? My brother was a marathon runner, and I had done tons of adventure racing. I was in amazing shape by this point. I was racing mountain bikes at a pretty elite level, but I never really seen anything quite like this ultra running thing that I was reading about. And I was reading about a race in the Yukon that takes place every year in February, where you are more or less, you know, not completely self-contained, but you got to be able to take care of yourself. Like you drag all your gear and your stove and all that stuff when you're running a hundred miles or longer than longer events, because you need to, you may need to melt the snow for water in this race. I just thought it was just extraordinary that people could even do such a thing. Long story short, and I'll get right to the punchline. Not only I entered this race, I never I never ran a 5K, you know, road race or a 10K, I'd done all that adventure racing, a couple of eco challenge qualifiers and stuff like that, but nothing nothing running. And this was my first running race. I entered it, and not only did I finish it, but I won it. And it set in motion for me this concept and this idea that we and a philosophy that we underestimate what we're capable of doing. Human beings underestimate themselves physically, mentally, emotionally. And that race taught me that. It's a much longer story that, you know, it would take up the entire podcast to tell you. But suffice to say that that moment opened my mind exponentially to what the possibilities were. And I realized that at that point in finishing that race and winning that race, 35 years of age, I mean, you know, I'm already down the road, right, into adulthood, but I'm learning things it was like I was completely reborn. It was a fundamental and structural change in the way that I thought about myself and my life. And it would lead me across deserts, around the world, through jungles, looking for how did I do that? Because I really didn't quite understand how I was able to, through many lows in that race, I'd never been so far in my feet, effort in my life. And so many times I wanted to quit, but something in me compelled me to move forward. And the more I moved forward, the less pain I had, the more I moved forward, the more confident I became. And I didn't know how I did it, but I knew that running was the teacher. that was teaching me I could feel that good while doing something that was completely contraindicated to feeling good. And so I um, started doing ultras around the world, and then that led me to the Sahara, which is the film that you saw. After visiting the Sahara Desert multiple times, my two buddies and I decided to run across the whole thing. So 7,500 kilometers over the course of 111 days, we ran across the Sahara. And it was the subject of a documentary film made by Matt Damon called Running the Sahara. And that's when things really once again took another turn. And since then, I've been on expeditions professionally. That's what I do. I've been an explorer ever since. So for 13 years now, I've been doing expeditions to the coldest and hottest parts of the world.
1: How do those expeditions go? Like, is it months of planning and then execution? Or is it months of planning plus prep work for yourself? Because conditions are obviously different where you go. And then do you also have like goals in that you want to it's, finish them in certain days? Do you do that?
2: Oh, yeah. It's years of planning for the bigger trips. And then, of course, the goal is to finish. Always it is to finish. But you have to accept outcomes because expeditions are unpredictable. Like Life. Right. Adventure is unpredictable, but it's the reason we do it is the unpredictability. You don't do things with the same amount of enthusiasm and excitement if you already know the outcome. It becomes boring, right? So in not knowing the outcome and instead striving for things that perhaps you don't even know about, that's the monumental learning opportunity in life. So every adventure that I set out, I plan my route on my expeditions. More than we plan our trips to the grocery store, you know, our, <laughs> our weekly trips to the grocery. But things can happen and you can have setbacks and you can even have expeditions that you can't complete, but it's putting yourself out there and trying that that's what life's all about. Because you, you, you think about it, you have you have one kick at the can, Like you have one life. It's not a video game, you don't have three or five. And every day that you live is one less that you have, right? So you get hit by a car tomorrow and you're done. Or you can live another 45 years of good health. But then you have 44 years, 364 days left to go after the one that you're in. So what are you going to do that day? It doesn't have to be climb a mountain that day. But it's, it's being alive every day that I think is critical. Even in the small moments.
1: Yeah, Especially the difficult moments where you can hear your own voice talking back to you and saying, don't do it. This is not right. What the hell are you doing with your life? Because there's internal dialogue, right? And transcending that is just a matter of watching it very carefully and contextualizing it in the living and not worrying about like how it's supposed to be.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. and I would also say that, you know, it's in the mundane also, like in the day to day when you're just killing time, feet up on the couch and we're all guilty of it. And eight hours goes by and you're like, well, what have I done today? We've all asked ourselves that question you know, on lazy days, what have I done today? And it's, it's being important to identify one thing that you've done that day. Maybe it's making that, you know, killer cup of coffee, or maybe it's climbing a mountain, but we all need to do, we have to live every single day.
1: And do you find that you appreciate life more because you have a finite understanding of your own mortality and you use that as a framework to live? why I'm asking this is because I think most people forget that there is an expiry date to each and every one of us, and uh, it stays in the back of your head. And it, it, it becomes this thing where you're not even thinking about it consciously so that you can affect a different type of choice in what you do. So what would you do if you knew tomorrow was your last day? Like, how would you live today?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, that's a question that's impossible to answer because you don't know, right? You don't know, and then once again, you're trying to predict an outcome. Just by uh, you, you know what I mean? Uh, yes, and we it, are. It's, un, it's unpredictable outcomes. I think. I mean, that's that's what life is all about: is is accepting in the moment. Like, look at in a scientific experiment, we expect an outcome, we predict an outcome. It's what we go after. Or in solving social issues around the world and health issues, of course, we want to have a positive outcome. Like when I go on an expedition, I want to have a positive outcome. I'm not doing it because I'm Excited about the potential of a negative outcome. But what I'm saying is, whenever you're blasting that rocket off into space, you don't really know what the outcome is going to be, not with 100% certainty. And because we don't know with 100% certainty what the outcome is, it behooves us to live with appreciation of the time that we have and just try to do things. You know, an activity that my, I remember my wife taught my daughters many, many years ago something that I still do when I heard her say it, is I think of three things that I'm grateful for or thankful for from each day at the end of the day, no matter how small they are. And those are building blocks of other things when you can identify that with gratitude and with an appreciation of life and day-to-day life, you're able to build on that, you know? I know it doesn't sound too adventure but adventure has taught me to be humble in the things that we do. And to never think for a moment that you've got it all figured out because you don't. Just when you think, you know how that is. When you think, oh, okay, I've totally got this now. I totally get this. Boom, something happens, changes, you know, something. And then it's not what you expect or what, you know. So, law of the universe, <laughs> you know, laws is, is one of those kind of things.
1: And becoming friends with that unpredictability, I think, is exciting versus to be feared because. I just look at all the expeditions you've done. I've, I think the first time I I might have heard a few or started first followed you on Facebook. This was like in 2006, 2007, probably. And because I just started kind of running or started to think about running, I was just watching the way in which you communicate and you share your story and you don't even make it about you. You talk about the, the journey. And I've, I've seen like there was one image I still remember to this day where it's a desert and of course that's the first thing I saw of of your body of work but I saw you like it was almost like this vast open space and you were there and I was just thinking to myself this is insane but this is so freaking cool that someone is doing this and I always wonder what moves people to do those types of things and this is one thing I would love to hear from you on is like what makes you want to do these things like yes you challenge yourself but What does it do eventually for people around you as well, do you think?
2: The reason I love to do these things, it's not as romantic as saying, because it's there or, you know, because I want to discover the unknown. It's not, you know, I guess part of me does kind of like that, you know, that aspect of it is being in places that so few people have been, you know, and being able to capture what it is that I'm seeing and share that with thousands of kids who are following from classrooms uh every day on my expeditions because that's the goal with every one of my expeditions and adventures is to connect them to classrooms and give kids an opportunity to be in the places by virtue of technology to be in the places that i'm in but truly you know at the end of the day i'm motivated mostly by meeting people in other places and other cultures and connecting with people and not in a cheesy sort of touristic way. It's not like that. It's it's that I really am excited to meet people living an equally vibrant life in a completely different set of circumstances and just connect with those people and then share their story.
1: I love that you said that because, you know, we were just talking about the fact that I've been slightly nomadic for the past like four years or so. And it's true. I I can think of so many moments where unexpected smiles or conversations and pure acts of kindness, and it humbles you. It really does humble you because you exactly to what you said earlier, when you think you know it, something happens that switches the game up and it makes you look at things a bit differently. So that for me, it always kind of goes back to how am I doing things? What am I creating? What am I building? And where do I want to go next? And what do I want to help others This is going to sound the way it does in this moment. What would I like to see more people achieve without having a true agenda around it? (laughs) But but being really sincere about it, because I think India happened to me by happen chance. But again, there are no accidents in life, are there, right? I've realized being on, on the road that the scope of supporting and truly contributing magnifies when you're able to listen to the other person and really fully be present. One of the things I find really interesting about you is yes we were talking about this in the context of running but the ability to stay present how does that work for you in what you do
2: what do you mean the ability so, to stay present
1: without worrying about again outcome of course but without going too far out into the future and embracing that moment that you're in versus pre- like going into say hey what if i don't finish this race or what if this doesn't turn out well For sure
2: you have those thoughts, but think of this as another analogy that I use. The greatest things that we do in our lives are relative to us as individuals, as are the most difficult challenges that we face in our lives. The hardest things we go through are relative to us as an individual. You can't compare something that for you is emotionally or physically very difficult. You can't compare it with anybody else because to try to even orate what it is that you're going through. Is impossible for the receiver to pick up the message and truly understand it unless they're living it, right? It's just, it's almost impossible. And in the life that I was living previously, pre 2000, I was the guy that was happy on the outside, the life of a party, but I was truly unhappy on the inside. Like so much so that everything in life had a gray tinge to it. There was no happiness, really, because at the end of the day, the waters of happiness were polluted. It's like if you took a barrel of water, clean, purified water, and you put a thimble full of oil in it, well, that water is no longer pure, right? That whole, so it only takes a little bit of that negativity, right, to destroy the whole batch. And then being on the other side of it now, where life is full of positivity and there are still setbacks, but I'd say you air more 51% positive, let's say 49% negative. You're much more better prepared in life to walk into a room that is dark and know where the light switch is when you've been on both sides. Whereas if you lived your life in the light the entire time, blissfully from beginning to end, and then one day there's darkness in the room, you don't know how to deal with it. You don't know how to turn the light back on. So I know in my day and day when the lights go out, calm down take a minute figure it out Assess. okay the light switch is over here and turn the switch back on again so of course i think about the down the road on an expedition and what the outcomes are going to be but i'm also very focused on what is happening now and appreciating the now as well because i think it's super duper critical to appreciate the now and it's never perfect i mean you have good days and bad days you have days where you do things that you're You're not happy about, but for the most part, if you're skewing positive, then that's the most that you can expect from yourself. And everything after that is the icing on the cake.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. It's also about perspective, right? Because you've traveled so much and you've seen people who may or may not have as much as you do or I do, and they have so much contentment and they're even willing to share, which baffles me sometimes perspective is critical as well and and knowing that there's no finite point even from day to day that we're trying to race towards yes goals absolutely but that gratitude that being in the moment as best as we can and the light switch thing I love because I talk about this with depression quite a bit and anxiety I think I brush paths with both and I think there's a bit to being a writer too you have to have certain tendencies to feel deeply and I always say, yeah, the, the thing doesn't go away. The anxiety doesn't go away. The depression doesn't technically go away. I'm not going to go to a doctor for it. I, I Or like for what it's worth, I will go for that round. though. I will go out and get some air. I will go pick up the phone. I will try and do the thing that I find most difficult in that moment, which is to express myself and probably ask for help. So, you know, when you have people looking, quote unquote, up to you, is it interesting or difficult for you to ask for help or... Has that just been who you are? Do you, have you struggled with that at all?
2: Oh, no, of course. We all do. I think that the difference between the people that do and the people that don't is the people that do and express it are being truthful. <laughs> and the people that don't are <laughs> they're just too afraid to say that they feel that way. It's, it's, part, it's part of the fabric of being human, right? I think the biggest gift we can give ourselves is self acceptance. Yeah. Right? Is really, truly being able to look in the mirror and say to yourself, yeah, you know what? Okay, this is where we're at, and I'm cool with it. You're able to do that. You really are on the path to getting things figured out, right? I think that over these years of exploration and adventure, I think what I have found the most compelling are the wisdom of many of the spiritual leaders that you see. People that are living, as you would say, a connectivity to the planet and to others around them in a way that maybe we just don't quite get. Like you had mentioned, being in parts of the world, like you know, I've been in, in Niger and Mali and other countries in Libya where you're in these small communities whereby a Western standard or something, you know, we would say, well, they don't have anything. Mm-hmm. But there's cause for celebration when there's food and people around and a roof, and everybody's healthy, right? And it's learning through observation and spending time with people and becoming such good friends with so many people in different parts of the world that I've met that it sounds like nice words to say, well, it's the material things, that they don't really matter so much. And, and, And those are words, but really truly down deep in all of that is true meaning of life stuff. Like, people, that live in different situations than we do, or I've met many people that have, I believe in my mind, truly discovered and identified the true meaning of life. That life isn't about all of, or many of the things that we think it's about. And adventure is the gift, you know. Running taught me things about myself. Adventure has taught me things about my perspective on life, but all like, you know, in general, you know. So I think that that perspective that I've had sitting down at uh, for a meal with people that are just so excited to spend time and share conversation and there's no expectation. There's the moment, there's now, and and it's a genuine happiness, right? That you can't fulfill that with a new electronic gadget or a new SUV or more stuff or whatever, right? And so I think that 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 has been very interesting for me on this journey is seeing and learning from so many other people that have so much more figured out than we can imagine,
1: you know? Yeah, and they're living a day in and day out without even probably thinking about it in the way we would. We would get into the details of it, but this is just who they are. They're just so involved.
2: No, but I've had many conversations with people that do totally get it. They're thinking along, exactly along the same plane. They're laughing at the same jokes. They're seeing the same things. They observe the same things in life. I believe that two things human beings are generally good, and human beings are overwhelmingly intelligent, no matter where in the world you are. Human beings are incredibly savvy and intelligent. That's why we survived this long, you know, after trying to destroy the planet. And it's amazing how. The people that I've met, for example, families in Niger or wherever that I'm learning so much from, they know so much more about life than I could have ever imagined in my own, that I would have learned in my own life, that those lessons are truly potent, right? It's a visceral account of life, the way they live, right? Because they're living every day with a very keen awareness of their surroundings, their environment. They're very in tune. I have a friend who told me a story about a friend of his, just to give you an example of something that's way out in the twilight zone. And this guy was a, uh, or is a world renowned agronomist tree doctor guy, tree expert. And he was flying. He would have in the Kalahari with a group of community of indigenous people that he would build a rapport and a very close friendship with over the years. And Over time, he would find it astounding that there was no way to communicate. Everybody was living off the grid, right? This community was completely off the grid. That every few years or so, he would fly in to see him and do his tree stuff, whatever. And as he's flying in, he would land in the middle of the the desert. And a few of the elders in the community would be there waiting for him. (laughs) how the hell did you know i was coming and they said you know they point to his phone and they said well you have this and we have this so i think that people are in tune very much with in a much more acute way with their journey and with life and And i've learned that from adventure
1: yeah and i think if you have a real connection with somebody that is actually very possible i feel like that with my mom sometimes i'm thinking about something and she calls it the weirdest hour, and I'm like, I just thought of you. What's going on there? <laughs> like, if moms are different, of course, but there's also a study that says, like, prehistoric man, like, if you go into millions of years ago, it was was way more advanced than even technology, I think. Hmm.
2: That's and, interesting. And, to flip it back to adventure, I think that you know, and uh, answering an earlier question that you asked, I think that being on this journey has taught me also a patience in um, life, right, where I don't want to live at an accelerated pace. You know, the crazy thing is I'll, I'll sometimes have to remind myself, jeez, dude, you're 52, man. Like, you gotta, like, start remembering. you like, you're 52 now. But I'll forget. Because it's not like I'm walking by. It's not like I'm taking selfies all the time. And it's not like I'm looking in the mirror all the time. So it, when I'm looking through my eyes outside my head and I'm looking around at the world, right, and I'm using my ears and I'm listening and I'm doing this thing around, the, I still feel like I I feel better than I did when I was
1: 25,
2: right? You almost, you guys just slow the world down a
1: little bit. I love that. (laughs) I just love that you said, I don't make comments on people's uh, age, obviously, but I don't think you've changed one (laughs) bit since I first saw you in that magazine or followed you. But that is really interesting because age really, I think if you live this connected life, of course, in alignment with who you are, and in your case, you also have a physicality to it, then I think age is just whatever. Really, it does. It's it's just one reference point. If you think
2: about it in your life, you are taught that by specific age points, you're supposed oh, yeah. to achieve certain markers in life, right? I mean, there's very specific age mark. You know, and if you're missing any one of these, <laughs> right? If you're missing any one of them, the of the cards collapses. And by the time I was 35, doing that first ultra marathon, I still was. No money was living in a renovated sandwich shop, you know, in my little town, which is now a music school, incidentally. And now and, 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 and I had a futon, I had my weights, I had a bed and I had my mountain bikes. And that's what I had. I had nothing. But I was happy because I figured at that point, what have I got to lose? What have I got to lose? I'm learning about myself every day. As long as I can feed myself and have a roof and I've got my mountain bikes, I'm happy. You know, that's all I care about, right? And then I think that when we give ourselves up to – I'm not saying you you quit your job and you you don't do anything or whatever. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying when you become very resolved to appreciate oneself, you know, you become comfortable with yourself. It starts to open doors. My wife and I, Kathy and I, we talk about this all the time that, you know, our daughters are 12 and 9 now. They're out on the trails with us. They do all kinds of stuff. And we're trying to raise them in a way that they don't have inhibition to try new things. And measuring a performance does not mean a first place finish, but instead it means really loving what you do. You know, you know, my wife, Kathy does these 200 mile running races, 200 miles. She runs like, so 300 kilometers, she'll run without stop. We ridiculous distances, you know? And she does well in these races. She finished second at her last one that she did. And when we first met, she was a runner, a distance runner, shorter distance runner, but wasn't really much of a trail runner. And now she's doing these huge things. And with like the curve went, you know, there was no curve. She just went straight up. And it was because she just thought without barrier, right? And appreciated that journey along the way. But it wasn't about a performance expectation on herself it was because she loved it right so it wasn't about well i'm gonna train like and there's nothing wrong with that i mean whatever gets people excited you know but for her the process was i just love doing this and i just well now i want to try this and well, maybe i think i
1: want to do that
2: and then taking the chance to go and do it right and i think adventure and running provide those opportunities
1: And increments, right? Because it's so one thing I've learned from, I haven't done a marathon yet, but when I do, in general, for me, that one word, cross the finish line, cross the finish line, there are people cheering you on, whatnot. The pacing of things and being able to understand that this is the dip moment, and then there's the rise moment, and never to lose the focus of the road because there is a road you're going on. What I struggle with these days, and when I see things around me, I see how social media sometimes can make us feel like hey, you're slow. And I talk about this very thing, like, you know, by, by this point in your life, you'll have to achieve this, that, this, that. And I'm like, no. When I in a room full of like 15, 16 year olds, I just tell them, do the thing that creates curiosity in you. Even if no one agrees with it, just go try it out because you never know what could come out of it. And you never know if you could revolutionize something. You just don't know. So I think it's really encouraging those, those minds. And when you're talking about what it's so sweet, like, but also like this idea that she's just doing it because she just does it she's not like overthinking yeah. it she's like i just like it i'm gonna do it i enjoy it why do i need to like intellectualize it or add more narrative than needed i just enjoy it let me be
2: yeah and i think that when you mentioned you know, with social media and i think that it's a valid point people if you're not able to see that most of what you see on social media are unrealistic snapshots taken at one moment in time that don't really represent true or real life, you know? But it can be very impactful to some people to see those images or to hear those stories and think, oh, what's the point in even trying? Never gonna have a 12 pack. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you, know, whatever, never, you know, it's not gonna happen. So what's the point? You know? The reality is, and go back to this before, that the great things that we will achieve in our lives the things that will be truly meaningful on the day that we're looking back, when we're on our deathbed and we're looking back, you'll be remembering those moments that meant so much to you. And it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks of those things. It's completely irrelevant. It's completely irrelevant to your life, right? And I think that there's the disconnect with social media, that when we put a post up, people are looking for accolades. They're yeah. looking for likes. Everybody wants a like, you know, but at the end of the day, it doesn't fulfill anything because the next day you got to make another post and guess what? You better get some likes or you're not going to be happy, right? So people can't define their happiness or look for kudos from social media for what you're doing because it's a never ending spiral. It's a a well that has no water, you know, and and it's super deep. And if you just go down, down, down. So it's more about social media is great, if you're not looking for something other than a great form of communication, method sharing, learning, education, there's things out there about social media that are amazing, but it is not a place to define oneself as we go from an infrastructure, you know, from a absolutely. mental infrastructure, how we feel about ourselves. It's not a mirror, social media, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think kind of goes back to something we were talking about earlier too, around that authenticity, because, I think I mentioned this to you earlier, but I have a list of 50 people I would love to invite on my podcast, and you're one of them. And after I get done here, uh, today at some point, it's just the morning here, I'll be opening that Word document and uh, graying it out. Or I think I use gray or blue, I can't remember, and I'm going to gray it out. And I'm going to always put like a note next to it. Use orange for me. Use orange. orange. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, done deal. I'm going to use orange for you. (laughs) That's a request I cannot like say no to when I was writing a note to you as well, I was like, it's going to probably go in some inbox somewhere, you know? I don't mean to sound negative, I promise. I write with a lot of love. And if I'm inviting that person on, like in my list of 50, especially, I want them to know like, hey, listen, I've been watching you for a while and I want you on this show. I would love to have you on the show. I would love to talk to you. Because for me, it's so important to see someone's journey over time versus looking at them in bursts. And I think what I love about you is that you've always been so consistent. And, and I'm not talking about achievements. It's this this commitment to what you do that really, and I hate the word inspiration, but I will use it. Like it really inspires me because I'm like, what he's doing, even then in that image that I talked to you about, the, the desert image, I still have in my mind, it's, it's etched in my mind. I'm like, he's the same consistent person. I, I'm not trying to say you're not grown or anything like that. What I mean is like the consistency is critical. And I look for that these days because there's so much noise in the world. Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. so much noise that you have to do this, you have to do that. And, you know, I don't talk about things like follow your passion. I'm like, "Mm -hmm." be curious, follow the thing that makes you curious first. The passion and all of that is just fuel, if you will. But the baseline Mm -hmm. is what we need to get people working on. And you've gone even another level up, which is now you're taking this ray that you are (laughs) into, you're helping kids too. You're helping them see so that you can affect more more change at that level too, because really that's the play. That's the real contribution is when you're able to give to the young and help them see possibility and help them go into a place of questioning and creating. So how did that kind of transition happen, knowing that you were doing your thing and then now you're like, oh, well, I also do stuff with the kids too.
2: I barely got out of high school, just barely got out of high school. And then I dropped out of community college. So I was like, I never, had an interest in learning but when we finished running the sahara the expedition i learned about culture people economics science biology biochemistry anthropology everything i learned about everything through and from the peoples of north africa on our journey and i thought to myself wow i mean i and i was like always wanted to learn more and 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 see what was gonna it was inquisitive what what are we gonna what's around the next sand dune and and what I realized was wow adventure is a great teacher and I wonder if there's a way that we can take these adventures and use them as learning opportunities and beyond my own expedition, create learning opportunities and expeditions for young people where they go and do the things that I do and they communicate what they're learning and the curriculum back to tens of thousands of students who are following along. So it was just like an evolution. And I thought my wife and I came up with the idea and then our buddy, Bob, who is the co-founder of Possible Possible, all three of us. And we said, we've got to do this thing that gives youth an opportunity to go out and achieve something extraordinary, empower the other youth who are following them in classrooms, But also, it's highly educational from an experiential perspective, like an experiential learning model. In other words, running across, when we went to Rajasthan, a group of six youth ambassadors from all over the world, 16 to 21 years of age, and they ran, I don't know, 20, 30 kilometers a day for six days across Rajasthan. And the subject that they learned about was access to healthcare and visited clinics where private health clinics in India that were extraordinary, the best healthcare in the world. And then visited with other medical clinics where one in thirty thousand Indians have access to a doctor and they're using used syringes. Right. And so giving youth an opportunity to see through the adventure and experience through the adventure and see and learn from the people and then share that with schools around the world. It's a very potent way to teach. The most incredible thing is everything we do is 100 percent free. And so everything was impossible possible free for the kids that go, free for the schools to participate and i'm a volunteer in the organization i do this because i love it and the biggest question i get from people is less about how we got it started but it's like mean you don't get paid i'm like yeah well, i do it because i love to do it i mean obviously my expenses are covered right but i and it's well how do you fund it well i do my expeditions and i develop sponsor relationships and then the sponsors help to fund it and well that's not a business model it doesn't matter <laughs>
1: exactly. it doesn't matter exactly it's oh, my god It doesn't matter
2: because we're we're achieving the goal. We've done fifteen youth expeditions all around the world. Yeah, finances are tough every single year. We struggle to fund the youth expeditions, but we get it done. We get it done, you know, and we find a way. And we just believers, you know. And I think that that's people automatically. And impossible possible is a great lesson in that, and it's easy to do when things aren't going our way. We automatically skew to the negative. But we've never done that. It's not like we're running around in a in a field of daisies or something with with you know with our hands up in the air. We work hard. We work very hard to do it. But we never lose hope. We never ever lose hope that we'll be able to fund the next youth exhibition or we'll be able to. And it's that application to the day to day that I think is part of what adventure has given to me.
1: And it is an adventure in itself, isn't it? Because you don't know how it's going to come together, but it will. And yes, you
2: you don't know. Do you know how many times we've committed to, well, less so with the youth expeditions, but I've committed to an expedition. I say, I am going to run 1,200 kilometers the length of the Atacama Desert. And when I make that commitment, I don't have a penny of funding to go into that expedition, but I'm committed. And do you know what I say to my thoughts? I'm going to the out of desk, but you don't have any funding. It's going to happen. I've been getting on planes when the sponsor checks are rolling in. <laughs> you know? Like I've been getting on planes, right? It's an unwavering belief. If you keep working your ass off, you can make things happen. But you have to, like, it. you got to go that extra mile in belief and faith. Are you going to make it happen?
1: I read somewhere, don't put doubt in a place that you planted in faith. So if you started with faith, don't, don't go put doubt into it. Like just go with that thing you said, which it just reminds me exactly of that, which is what you're saying. You're like, Hey, I'm going, I'm going, you don't have money. I'm going, I'm going. And it just happens. And one quick question around that is how does the intention part of it work for you? Do you keep connecting back to the intention of why you do it? Is that important for you as you're going through that process, if you will? Is there a place you go within where you're like, hey, but if I go on this expedition, it's going to help these many people. Do you go to that kind of a visualization or Uh, or intention? Sort
2: of. I mean, I know it's imperative for the success of Impossible Possible. But am I thinking in terms of anything beyond the mission? No. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We know what the goal is. But when I say I'm going to do it, I do it. Like if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. If I don't get to do it, if there's very good reason why. Like something has gone awry or something, you know, but I'm very, I'm a believer that it's like 98% is not enough. You have to be all in, 100%. Mm-hmm. All the chips are in. You have to be all in. And if you're all in, you'll make it happen.
1: I agree with you. I had this girl once say to me when I quit my job and I was just flying from New York to India this this 2017 she was in the kitchen and she said, she says to me, what if you fail? And I really looked at her as if like, what is that question even? I don't understand what that means. And it was not arrogance. I promise you, it was just no, I had zero comprehension of what success failure means. I don't care for it. I'm like, Hey, but, but, this, 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 yeah, no, I don't know what, what you're saying, <laughs> you know?
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> okay. Two quick questions for you. What do you think your daughters have taught you? What has being a dad taught you?
2: Oh, it's the greatest thing ever. I mean, it's, I mean, there's nothing I love more than being on the trails with them, doing things with them, seeing them become their own people. You know what I mean? And developing their own things and passions in their own lives. And every person's true purpose is different. We all have an individual purpose. But for me, it defines my purpose. You know, like being a dad is the ultimate thing for me. But I always knew I wanted to be a dad. Even in the days when I thought, ah, I'm never going to do anything with my life. Even in those days, I always knew, geez, I always, I've always loved kids. I always wanted to be a dad.
1: Wow, amazing. Man, this is a dream for me, huh, by the way?
2: I'm glad we were able to get it together so that we could with the time zones, make it happen, yeah. you know?
1: Totally.
2: So, I'd love to continue the conversation again down the road, you know, maybe after the next expedition as well, you know, and maybe see what comes up next.
1: You're like, just... You're welcome all the time come back and one last thing i have to ask you before we switch off for now at least any message you want to leave someone with today anything on your mind sure.
2: for runners or for people in general Just in i think general. you know what it never underestimates themselves you know somebody once asked me they sent me an email and they said i've read your books and i've seen your videos and i, I really want to start running i really want to start running but i don't know how to start on the couch, I don't do any exercise, I've never really exercised in my life. I don't even know like what kind of shoes to buy. And I said to them, "Well, you know what? You never finish a marathon unless you walk the first step, right? You're never going to get to the finish line. So I said, "Get up off the couch, walk to the door, Turn around, walk back to the couch. That's day one, right? Day two: Get up from the couch, walk to the door, put your shoes on walk outside, walk to the end of the laneway, turn around, come back inside, da 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 da. And each day, go a little bit further. And each day, don't try to, you know, build a mountain. Rome wasn't built in a day. It's amazing how many of these old sayings that we have that have been handed are actually, there's so much truth in them. And every where did that come from? Most of them, we don't even know where they come from, but they're ancient wisdom that means something, right? Anyhow, the point is, before long, you logarithmically build that time up. And before you know it, you're running a few steps. And I'll tell you, I've heard back from, there's been more than one person, there's been many people over the years. I hear back from those people, they say, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe this. I ran a kilometer today, a full kilometer. I ran a mile and I didn't have to walk. I ran a mile. And the feeling that they're telling me in that email is exactly the feeling I have when I put my hands in the water at the edge of the Red Sea, right? It goes back to this relativeness of the achievement that one has. It is as equal and great an achievement as running across the whole Sahara Desert is that one mile completed that they did that day. It is exactly the same. There is no distinction between the two other than, you know, climate and everything else, right? because they're experiencing the same exhilaration the same feelings of accomplishment. So my advice to that I would leave people with is to never underestimate themselves that every single person in the world is capable of doing something extraordinary if they choose
1: to. I did run my first 4 miles today since the pandemic. So I didn't even know if I could really to be honest. I, I really didn't. I but I knew today was the day I was getting uh, the run in because I was doing warm up for the past two or three days it was like let the body just get acclimatized and today I did my run and i stopped and i started again i you know paced it out and i was like still got it you know it's okay it's fine i'll take a break tomorrow but that same concept you do bit by bit in inch by inch don't judge yourself because <laughs> it's just the worst thing you can do to yourself to judge yourself it's not fair to you exactly
2: no exactly exactly thank it's you awesome. so much Thank you so much, and we'll chat again
0: soon. Thanks so much for stopping by Words and Voices with Neelam Tawar. We can't wait to see you again with another voice and more words from game changers, movers and shakers, and quiet visionaries creating a dent in the world. Oh, and please don't forget to comment and share what resonated with you here or on info at neelamtawar.com. Till we meet next, and as Neelam says, be good to you.